Welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman, joined by Darren Burns and Toby Doman. I've got to start today's show with an apology. I was on a I was on a meeting with Toby a couple of weeks ago, and uh, by prior arrangement, he actually left the meeting half an hour early. Um, but that didn't stop me from telling everyone that that Toby had chosen to leave. So I feel I need to publicly apologize to Toby for, uh, for questioning his motives uh, and making him carry the blame for what was a, 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 less, than, a less than stellar meeting. So I'm sorry, Toby. So you, are you saying it was a debacle? It, it, well, I wouldn't go that far. Maybe, maybe a shambles. Maybe a shambles. Shambolic. It was shambolic. I'm not surprised Toby left. There you go. It was. It was my choice. It was. It was. It was. It was prior arrangement, and and you know you, you have family obligations. I needed a break as well. It was just very stressful. I needed a break. Um, yeah. Sure. Well, you rotated out, Tobes. He rotated out. He went out in a blaze of glory. Actually, he was asked to stay uh, at the last minute, but he but he couldn't because he'd made prior arrangements. He, was. he, he, he went out in a blaze of glory. He was. He was. <laughs> uh, he answered a flurry of questions um, superbly. But unfortunately, I I haven't been signed up for the Chennai Super Kings. But apart from that, you know, spot on. Yeah, that's probably where this, as far as we can take this analogy, I feel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah, we will talk about the 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 story of Moeen Ali uh, later on. Uh, Ended well for him the week, though, with being picked up by the uh, the Chennai Super Kings, of course. so we've got a lot to get through today. We are going to review India versus England. We'll talk a little bit about West Indies, Bangladesh, New Zealand, Australia, T20 series. Um, the retirement from Test cricket of Faf Duplessis. There was an IPL auction, which was quite wild um, for many reasons. And then we will go through ultra good, ultra bad and ultra edge things we liked and disliked from the last couple of weeks. But let's start in... India, where the second test between India and England was comfortably won by India, 317 runs uh, in Chennai. Um, India reliant uh, in particular on Rohit Sharma, who, who scored a wonderful 161. And man of the match, Ravi Chandran and Ashwin, who not only scored a century, took lots of wickets, a very comprehensive win from India brings them back to one all. There was a lot of talk about the pitch, but it seemed quite okay to me. And, you know, that talk seemed to have subsided by the time the uh, the match was over. Toby, what did you make of this of this game? Well, look, England, England were outskilled. I think that's the way to describe this. I think they did not adapt to the conditions as well as India. And there were vociferous complaints on social media from the likes of Mark Wall. Michael Vaughan complaining about this not being a test pitch. You know, there was, there were puffs of dust on uh, day one as soon as the spinners were coming on. And there were some beautiful zo- uh, drone shots actually of the beach at Chennai. And it was difficult at some stage to discern which was the beach on the sea and in the ground. I think to be fair though, no complaints from England. Uh, and that's the most important thing. And, and look, England prepare wickets to suit their bowlers in England. India don't complain and vice versa. That's what's 
brilliant about test test cricket. So I think it's a, a red herring that it was a problem. I think England have, have basically uh, had a shock because I think they'll be glad to see the back of Chennai, uh, frankly. And I think without Joe Root's big runs in the first test, they were exposed to the mastery of Ashwin, who has got so many variations and he's so difficult to pick. And so I think really um, there's going to be some changes for the next for the next test, but but for that one I think England will be very happy to be leaving, uh, but very happy to be one all in a four test series. I think Joe Root would have bitten your hand off at this point if he was going into this game one all. There's a lot of hands being bitten off whenever people whenever people bring that up. They, he always says, "Oh, I would have bitten your hand off if you'd given me one all." Uh, I do wonder about that turn of phrase, Darren. Um, your thoughts on the pitch um, seemed like. Uh, Mark War was was very vociferous about it, but um... I think there's been a lot of there's been a lot of comment about the pitch. I mean, I, I think w- when people see the ball breaking the surface on the first morning, I mean, it's not just du- puff of dust; it's actually the surface breaks and the ball bounces off the pitch, right? And it leaves like kind of a not just a puff of dust, but actually some of the pitch comes off. I, I think it's a cause for concern. Uh, but having said that, I mean, it look, it looked at one stage that this match could be over in two or three days, but. You know, Ravi Chandran Ashwin, as you rightly point out, scored 100 in his second dig, right? So it showed that if you applied yourself, you could score runs. And I just think they were totally outplayed. And I think the spin, the spin bowling of Ravi Ashwin and also just the other spinners from India were just totally, 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 totally on a different plane to what, in- what England was, right? Yeah, Axel Patel bowled really well, I thought. Oh, yeah, Mohan Ali's okay, quite mechanical, right? I mean, Jack Leach does his best. Jack Leach reminds me of a guy on your team who just, does the best that he can with limited resources, right? He tries and tries and tries, but he's not the same class as Ravi Ashwin, let's be honest, right? And so that I think that really showed out on this wicket. So I, I thought it was interesting. And I, what I have found the most interesting is that I've been actually glued to the series when Australia hasn't been playing. So I've been watching it on, keeping an eye on ESPN and watching a bit on TV when I can or the highlights, which I normally don't do necessarily for, for games that don't involve Australia because I'm quite you know, uh, 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 arrogant that way. Or I'm quite, you know... <laughs> quite one-eyed. You're quite vocal, one-eyed. Vocal. Yeah. I'm quite vocal that way. But I, I've actually really been enjoying the series and especially that England won the first match. You know, it's one all. We go into Alabad. We don't know how the wicket's going to play. Rohit Sharma's saying it's going to be the same as it was in Chennai. You know, Ben Stokes is saying it's a green top. Uh, it looks it looked green three days ago, but I bet you it won't look that way. And no one's really sure how it's going to play. It's a great, big, brand new big stadium. And there's a lot of doubts, right? A pink ball test, the SG ball uh, under lights. No one's sure how that's going to hold up. Apparently in domestic cricket in India, they use the Kookaburra pink ball. So no one's really sure what's going to happen, which makes it even more exciting, right? As we go into the third test. Yeah, there's a lot. Let, let, we'll talk about the, the Matera test in a second. Just just back on the second test, just on the pitch. I think it's worth pointing out that there's been a number of test matches that have actually finished in shorter time than this one did in recent in recent years, and they've all been green tops, so in England and New Zealand in particular. And I do think, you know, Toby, as you, as you said, it is a test, isn't it? It's a test of skill. So Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you, you go on tour and with teams in their bubble and, the, you know, and all the media scrutiny and the pitches are different and the, and the food's different and the fans are different, all of that is part of the excitement and the test of ultimate cricket. And so I don't think there's... Crucially, there have been no complaints in the England camp, and I think they just got got on with it. No, they haven't, and I think that's that's a key thing. It's it's interesting because India haven't prepared a pitch like this for a while. The last time, Darren, you will recall, was the Pune Test match in 2017, the Steve O'Keefe Test, which 
which India lost. Because the risk is with a pitch like this is you can lose. I mean, India can lose. Yeah, as I think well. I could have got tail wickets in that pitch. <laughs> well, bowling your bowling your uh, your leg spinners. Your <laughs> no, I don't bowl leg spin. No. I bowl off spin darts. A lot of nude spin. Even I could spin the ball. But you know, when you see a ball, an off spinner turning a ball like two feet, it's it's pretty off putting, right? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about the spin I thought was interesting was that England spinners, obviously, Darren, you alluded to the fact that they are not in the same class as India's spinners. But if you look at Moeen and, and Leach, India's batsmen knew they were going to get a full toss at least once and over and could just wait and dispatch it. And that's the difference. Well, Moeen in particular, I mean, Leach is quite um, steady, but Moeen in particular, it's the usual thing with him. And he's a, he's a wonderful cricketer, but there's brilliance mixed with dross, isn't there? I mean, he went at four and a half in that first innings, which you can't do on a pitch like this. Even though he, he took, you know, arguably the, the delivery of the match, to bowl Virat Kohli, who who then apparently reviewed his being clean bowled, which is always fun to bring um, to bring a touch of uh, WG grace onto the onto the cricket field. No, I think it's good that England haven't complained. I think the the, the risk is that once you start complaining about the pitch and the tour, and you start to feel like things are going against you, and that it's all a little bit unfair, you will lose the test. I think that's the one thing you know the Australian team figured out. When it came to touring India, you just can't um, start to worry about the things you can't control, and I think that's what helped Australia win in India. Actually, yeah, and I think the England bat- batting—if you, if you, on reflection—if you have a look back, you know they played a lot of balls a- across the line or against the spin, which y- you don't really. I mean, you might see Pant doing that quite a bit when he gets to the pitch of the ball, but there were a lot of cross-batted shots and a lot of cro- uh, uh, you know shots that really a lot of sweeps re- exactly and a- against the turn, right? Which is fraught with danger and on a wicket like that it's bouncing as, as well it's really difficult to do to keep those shots down right yeah I think because in the first test they got a lot of uh, capital out of those shots you know they, they, the sweep was very productive but the first test I actually thought was a much worse pitch than the second test really yeah because in the first test it was it was quite a dead pitch for three days and it only really started to misbehave on the fourth and fifth day and I would always from a, from a spectator's viewpoint I would always take a pitch where the bowlers are in the game from day one. I just think it's it's more interesting than watching batsmen. Oh, sure. I thought you were saying it was, it was a worse pitch to bat on, but... No, 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 no. I mean, I mean a, a, just a worse pitch from a, from a kind of spectating viewpoint. It was, it was a much better pitch um, for batting the first two or three days. But and I think that's because of that, the England batsmen were quite happy sweeping. Second test, they, you know, Ashwin just preyed on that. It, the variable bounce and and Akshar Patel, we shouldn't forget, got Joe Root twice, I think, in this match and yeah. bowled really well. Look, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think watching a watching a match of Test cricket where you know both teams open with 200 or 300 something like that, and it's, it's a challenging wicket where you always feel there's a wicket around the corner or if somebody bats well, they can do okay. Those are much more interesting to watch because you're sort of glued to the screen, aren't you? You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, session to session. So Ben Folks and Ollie Stone seem to be the two positives. From England, Toby. Yeah, I was just going to say a word for the Wicketkeepers Union, given the, the difficulty of, of batting. Also really hard to keep on a wicket like that. And I think folks' performance, lots of people getting very excited. I, I guess there was not much else to get excited about, given the amount of, of adulation to have a specialist, a proper specialist, because Joss Butler, remember, is a, is a batsman who keeps. Folks is very much at the top of his game in terms of the skill set and, and some really good stumpings, which probably wouldn't have happened under Butler. And some great takes, you know, really good. Ben takes. Folks was outstanding. So yeah, yeah some of good, his good sport. I think 
Um, Stone as well impressed. Didn't get that many wickets, but he looked like he was uh, accurate and, and decent pace throughout. I don't think that's enough to get him into the side for the for this next match. But some positives, I guess. But it was all India, to be honest with you. Mm, a wonderful story on Crick Info by George Dobell um, about Moeen Ali, uh, just about his his kind of shoddy treatment, I think, by the ECB over the last two or three years, uh, culminating in him kind of being publicly blamed for for leaving the tour, uh, even though this is all, you know, part of England's rotation policy. They've had to apologise now in public repeatedly. I think Joe Root and Chris Silver would have had to apologise to him. I do feel for Moeen. I think he's a, he's a wonderful player, but he's 33 now, and you do wonder whether he's going to play a lot more test cricket for England. I mean, it does seem crazy that we've reached this point and he hasn't become the player that maybe uh, a lot of England fans thought he might turn into. Yeah, he's got, a, I mean, when I just look at some of his stats, I mean, we talked about the, the mercurial bowling, um, which sometimes can be fantastic. But his, his batting, I'd say, is an overachievement. You know, he's been superb figures across multiple formats and so it's, it's never quite come off for him I think everybody really wanted his bowling to to, to kick on but it, it hasn't quite given him enough to anchor his place in multiple format sides so I think shame I think he, you know, he averages 28 with a bat and with the ball he's averaging what 36 37 so he, he's one of those guys that I think you would say is a bit of underachiever you'd want him to do better than that with the bat and the ball right Oh, he seems to, the talent seems to be, you know, at, at, at a higher level. I do think he hasn't been played properly, consistently. You know, he's batted everywhere, he batted at number nine in this match, which just seems crazy. And, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, it's hard to say now, but I do think if he'd got more of a consistent run, maybe in his preferred positions, we would have seen a different career. Anyway, off to Motera, where, uh, Darren, as you mentioned, 110,000. Seater Stadium. Uh, Crazy. It's going to be the it's going to be the biggest eventually when it's one hundred and forty thousand seats. What? It's going to be one hundred and forty thousand. Apparently, <laughs> although that's wow. that's what my son told me, wow. so I'm not entirely sure if that's true. He may have just have just made that up. Um, so maybe that <laughs> I should probably I should probably check that. But anyway, it's one hundred and ten thousand now. There'll be fifty thousand in the ground. Pink ball test, no one knows what's going to happen, although we do have some indications from the comments people are making. So the pink ball, apparently, according to the SG uh, ball manufacturer, the pink ball requires six millimeters of grass to remain pink. Is that according to the press release? Uh, I don't know if there was a release. <laughs> it, was, press release? it was actually an interview. Yeah, it was, it was the, 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 the fact sheet, the backgrounder. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I will be amazed if there's six millimetres of grass on the pitch. I'll be amazed if there's three millimetres of grass on the pitch. I think we can expect a very dry, a bare pitch. What that means is the pink ball will lose its colour. So it won't remain pink, apparently, after the 50th over. I don't think India care about that. They've apparently asked for white sight screens, which would suggest the notion that the pink ball will lose its colour. All of which means they want, you know, turn. This pitch... Is is known to turn. Ahmedabad is is really a classic dust bowl. So you know it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays because there will be something for the fast bowlers, no question. Especially under twilight. Uh, let's not forget England's last pink ball test, 2018, in New Zealand. They were bowled out for 58 after being 27 for nine. India's last pink ball test, of course, bowled out for 36 in Adelaide. Um, 
And Toby, a lot of selection questions for England. I was reading up to five changes, two in the batting order and potentially three among the bowlers. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because everybody's looking at that wicket, thinking, will there be grass, won't there be grass? Do we bring the seamers in? Lots of talk of lips being licked in the uh, in the nets by the, uh, <laughs> yeah. by the seamers. <laughs> <laughs> Hand, hands bitten hands off. Being bitten hands off, bitten off. Lips being licked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all happening. It's, it's all, all going off down there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, it's a difficult one for them because can you imagine you, you go for a seam-heavy attack and then after... What three sessions the 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 pitch starts to break up? You think, oh no, we should put, we should have got our second spinner in. Anyway, I think you're right. They're they're toying with up to five changes, two in the top order, three among the bowlers, um, and I think the decisions really around maybe Chris Wokes or Don Bess at eight, and that will maybe have an impact on how the side is set up around that. Ben Stokes hasn't really bowled very much. He looked, I think, he had a, a bit of a limp towards the end of the second test. So it hasn't been really relied upon as any sort of enforcer. Um, so the thinking might be that Broad is squeezed out, as Jimmy Anderson really should be returning, and Joffre Archer as the as the sort of apex of the attack. Um, so there's selection headaches, and I think it's going to go down to the wire based on what they see in the pitch, to be honest. And then the batting side, the India India are fine. They've got a very settled batting order. I think India totally settled, but but England was as Zach Crawley has recovered from his marble based injury. Yeah, that's a strange one. Um, slipping around in his room. I did see a really weird account of that. Where so he slipped on the marble next to the playing area, and then and then they said um, it was confirmed that a similar marble area near India's playing practice area was covered which really made it sound like this area had been deliberately left uncovered so that Zach Crawley would slip on it and injure himself <laughs> well uh, which is I like conspiracy <laughs> theory Mr. QAnon but I'm not sure I'm buying that always, exactly yeah <laughs> that's right which, which I think is mate is quite diabolical I mean I'm, I'm definitely all for that but anyway Zach Crawley and Johnny Bester, right the two young, guys not so like, young Johnny Bester has been hovering um, interesting little aside here Johnny Bester doesn't have a central contract and I think Zach Crawley does and it just shows you the differences between white and pink or red ball cricket now. And where, uh, Joe Root and Silver were the saying that that's not a consideration. Um, where the best comes in at three, I think Rory Burns has struggled. I think uh, struggled at least in his last uh, six outings. Hasn't really done much. Yeah, and really needs a haircut. Needs a haircut. Looks like Dog Tanyan. Um, and I think he needs some confidence as well against the spinning ball straight up. And he's probably not used to facing world-class spinners after six overs. And I think he's struggling with that. And so whether that has some, I think he needs to be given one more go at least. Dan Lawrence probably likely to be moved out for Bairstow coming in at three. Oh, you think, I think so? so? Yeah, Lawrence, is, Lawrence looked in a lot of strength yeah. uh, in the second test. I'm hearing that Broad's going to play, that it's going to be Anderson and Broad. Well, it's only the ninth time that they played together, I think, since like 20, uh, 2015 or something ridiculous. Um, yeah, I was on a clubhouse cricket room last night and a talk sport reporter said that Anderson and Broad are likely to play. So that means Anderson, Broad and Bess. So then the final spot will be either Woke, Stone, Wood or Archer. Now, Archer would be the obvious call, but then apparently that lengthens the tail too much. It does. Yeah. It's a long tail. That's can be. Basically four number number 11. What's happened to Archer's batting? He was an all-rounder at one point. Yeah, he's stand and deliver, really. I think 
the odd flourish, but he's not. Can't, I think Best looked quite decent, to be honest. He, he held out, actually. I think the first test, I remember, he played pretty well for us. A doughty 23, I think. But he's, it's always, he's not in for the run. I think to be an off-spinner in England, you have to bat, don't you? Otherwise, your career is, is you know, it's going to be curtailed. Yeah. And what about India? I mean, I was just reading about, you know, their, their, their seam options. We talked about the batting being well settled. You know, Ashwin is, is nailed on. What about Siraj? I like him. I think he's a really good, uh. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Ashwin will play. India have one decision to make, basically, because Jasprit Bumrah will return. So he will line up alongside, uh, Ishant Sharma, 100th test match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. must confess, I never saw that coming. He becomes only the fourth Asian fast bowler to play 100 test matches. Can anyone name me the other three? Imran Khan. Waka. Imran Khan, I think, maybe doesn't qualify as because he's here he's as an all-rounder. He's an all-rounder uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, nope, Waka, Waka didn't play 100 tests. Was it Akram? Yes, Wasim did. Uh, and... Oof. Anil Kumble? <laughs> Chimin Devas. Chimindavas, yes. And there's one more. Come on, he's Indian. I know. Um, Imran Khan played 88 test matches. Kapil Dev is an all-rounder. Kapil, right? so no, Kapil, Kapil Dev is, is the uh, guy, yeah. It's Kapil oh, Dev, yeah. Well, he's an all-rounder, obviously. Yeah, but I think, you know, anyone that runs in is, is considered a fast bowler. Um, Imran okay. pl- only played 88 test matches. Uh, hmm. So, yeah, so, so Yashan Sharma becomes the fourth. Um, so anyway, all of that means that India, uh, you know, Ashwin will play, Akshat Patel is going to play on his home ground. He bowled really well. It was such a huge upgrade on Shabazz yes. Nadim. Uh, which means for India, the final bowling spot will either be Kuldeep Yadav, who didn't really bowl, in, and I'm not really sure he's needed. At 12 overs, 12 overs was such a... Imagine being bowling 12 overs and you're in for your bowling. That, that's not great for your confidence, is it? Yeah. Plus, that was his first test match in two years, and Mohammad Siraj slapped him a week earlier. <laughs> so I mean, things... having a great lockdown, isn't it? <laughs> but won't they go with Bumra Yadav and Sharma? Yeah, so I think Umesh Yadav is most likely to play because his record in India is, is fantastic. He's taken 96 wickets at 24. In the last two years, in the last two years, he's taken 48 wickets in India at 16, and he strikes every 29 balls. Uh, and with the pink ball, he, he, probably looks quite tasty. The problem is he's been out with an injury. This would be his first match back. And Umesh Yadav has a history of pulling up in the middle of his spell. I mean, it happens all the time. So it's either Mohamed Siraj or, or Umesh Yadav, I right? think so. I don't think... Shami is still out, right? Yeah, I don't think they'll play... Oh, the other one they could play is Washington Sunder. They decide to, to hedge their bets and go with someone who can bat and, and maybe send down a few overs. So that, that's those are decisions. That's going to um, start... To today, hopefully, we'll get this up before um, before the match starts. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be interesting, and to see fifty thousand in, in the ground will be. Will it's be an amazing, amazing ground. It looks like it? a beautiful I just, ground. I was watching a beautiful picture. If anyone's got access to the Guardian, have a look. It's Jack Leach practicing on the on one of the strips somewhere. And as the sun goes down, there's like an open bit. Imagine a ring around the bottom part of the stadium. The sun kind of drifts through those gaps. It looks incredible. Yeah, yeah, it, it does look beautiful. Okay, right. Well, let's move on from uh, India-England. Uh, very quickly, West Indies-Bangladesh. Well done to the West Indies winning the series 2-0. Second surprising. test. Surprising, yes. Um, is it? It's their first overseas series win since 2017 with a team, you know, full of a, a number of players who are, who are not so well known. Um, the second test, 
uh, was a real thriller. They won it by seven, uh, 17 runs, 35 minutes after the scheduled close of play. The big fella, Raheem Cornwall, took nine wickets in the match, finished it off with a, with a very nice catch at slip to dismiss Mehdi Hassan Miraz from a delivery from Jamel Warakan. So yeah, good good returns for, for the West Indies. Captained these days by Craig Brathwaite, which was news to me. So unless any of you have anything burning you'd like to say about that. Rakeen the dream, that's all I gotta say. Yeah, he just took the game on 10 wickets. Uh, yeah, West, it was surprising, right? I mean, especially in Bangladesh, you wouldn't expect, I mean, the odds on that would have been super long for the West Indies to get up there. But there's a lot of it going around, isn't it? It's sort of second string teams beating beating teams and... We just, we just saw it in Australia where you know, India didn't have most of their first choice players, it still won. So kind of interesting, isn't it? I don't know if it's a trend. Does it make a trend? If England win in India, then it's a trend. Yeah, maybe. I think Bangladesh is... Um, they, in trouble? They, yeah, they just seem to be, you know, they've got so many issues with the board. The, the BCB president has come out and, as usual and kind of criticised everything, selections and so on. Uh, Shakib al-Hassan has asked to be released. He's only just returned from his ban, hasn't he? That's right. Yeah. Um, so he's asked to be released so he can play in the IPL or something. Um, so yeah, there's just, there's just various issues there. Okay, let's move on. New Zealand and Australia are playing a T20 series, Darren. And I don't know if you're familiar, there's a rapper by the name of Conway the Machine. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, actually he should, be a, he should be a cricketer of South African descent playing for New Zealand, bludgeoning 99 not out. I was disappointed he didn't get to his century. On debut. But who were these players in the Australian team, Darren? Can you enlighten us? Well, everything, you know, I watched the opening gambit of this game and um, it was all going to, you know, to, to plan from an Australian point of view. Uh, they had England, oh, sorry, New Zealand with three, 19 for three after quite a few overs with, um, you know, Kane Williamson back in the sheds and it was all going swimmingly well. And this guy called Devin Conway, who they were hyping up before the match, a great name, Devin Conway, Devin the, Devin the Conway the machine, as you call him. But, uh, you know, he started beautifully. He started just rotating the strike. Then all of a sudden he went ballistic and ended up with 99 not out and pushed New Zealand up to 180. So that was kind of completely surprising. And the old stalwarts in New Zealand, Southie, Bolt, they were great. I mean... You know, they were just on their game. They tied down the Australians, picked up early wickets, and Australia were never in the match. So that was the first match. So there's four more to go uh, in this year, which, of course, is a World Cup year. So everyone's trying to play with their different combinations. And Australia basically took the scraps of what was left over from the BBL. And, of course, they they were supposed to tour South Africa. So, So none of those players that were scheduled for that tour actually played in New Zealand. Uh, you know, the likes of Warner, um, those kind of guys, Warner Smith, Pat Cummins, those kind of guys didn't play. So they still have a strong team. I mean, this is a strong team led by, led by Aaron Finch still. Um, but yeah, they were just really found out. And Ish Sodi, who, who's really unpopular for some reason, got four wickets, right? So I don't know. He just seems, never seems to get any, any due, any credit. Well, he wasn't picked up at the IPL auction. There's a lot of, t- we'll t- we're going to talk about the IPL auction in a second, but there's a lot of talk that because the IPL is so dominated by Australian coaches, that's one of the reasons why Australian players do so well in the auction and, and New Zealand players are marginalised. I think it's probably a heritage issue as well. 
Mm, maybe, yeah. People just assume Australians are better players and they see them more. Yeah, maybe. But I, I do think there's a jobs for the boys, isn't it? You're going to. I think it was a telling, a telling quote, though, from uh, Ravi, Ravi Ashwin, who, who continues to come out with good, good pearlers. He said, you know, too bad about Devin Conway, four days too late. Which means that if he if he'd scored that knock, you know, just around or before the auction, the IPL auction, he could have gone for a bit of money. I still think one of the teams will get him because somebody will pull out for sure, and they'll, they'll want to get Devin Conway in their sure. squad. Yeah. Okay. We'll come to the auction in a second in our ultra light section. Uh, Cricket South Africa has made a complaint against Cricket Australia for pulling out the tour. <laughs> well, yes, but. Just very quickly in that case. Um, I think we talked about this before, right? It's, it's a really tough one for both sides. It is. Um, and I think that's all we really need to say about that. Yeah, look, I think I, I would just, you know, I was joking just then being facetious, but seriously, I think it has made a big dent on the coffers of South Africa. And I understand they've made a complaint to the ICC, and I think it's fair enough. Um, what was it? I was reading that one of the players in the IPL auction made as much money as Cricket South Africa would have made from that tour. Yes, I'm quite sure that's correct. It would make sense. I think it may have been the Chris Morris IPL fee. I mean, that is, that's mad it when is. you think about it. It kind of shows how skewed this game has become. India is now what US is to baseball and basketball, right? It's just the way it is. I think that's, it gravitates towards skill and gravitates, the money, money gravitates towards there. I think it's just an inexorable kind of change. Yeah, you're right. It's, um, Embrace it. Yeah, it's just it's just the march. It's just the march it of is. capitalism, isn't it? Darren Faf Duplessis has retired from Test cricket. He will be sorely missed. Very sorely missed. Well, he, obviously he'll still be playing white ball cricket um, for various clubs and prob- probably for South Africa as well. He's a, he's a great white ball player. But you know, Faf Duplessis announced this week on Instagram that he's he's stepping back from Test cricket. I always remember his Test debut in Adelaide. Uh, in the 2012-13 tour, where he scored 78 in his first dig, and I think it was about 110 not out in the second dig uh, to save the match in Adelaide. I think he came in when a, when South Africa were like 54 for 55 for, or 50 odd for four, um, and he batted the whole day and faced 367 balls to save the match on a wearing pitch. So that was a great debut. And I think after he, when he debuted, people were like, bro, this guy is just going to go astronomical, right? And I think even though he, he finished with an average of 40 in test cricket, I think he never got to the level where people thought he was going to average 50 plus and be one of the greats. He was still a great batsman. And I liked him as a, I liked him as a captain as well. You know, he, he took over from A.B. de Villiers uh, and he had a, a good run. I think he won about, you know, eight, had 18 wins and 15 losses, but, Toward the end, he started getting more losses. But early at one stage, he'd won 17 from 27, uh, including a few draws. So he was doing quite well. But I always remember, the other thing we remember about Fafis's guns and his rig, um, if anyone's seen his, with his shirt off, he's, uh, he's quite a man. He's got massive pipes. Uh, he's got a good physique. And there's, a, there's an enduring image. I don't know if you remember this, but during the Durban Test match in 2018, when things got really caustic on the field between de Kock and Warner, and they they're walking off the players, the players up to the players' pavilion, right? And Faf Duplessis came out in a t- with a towel wrapped around him, uh, and just sorted everything da- out, right? And and I think that summarizes Faf. He was kind of a leader of men, complete alpha, right? Alpha male. Uh, he sort of broke it all up. What's going on, boys? You know, with his towel on, right? Uh, and then walked back into the sheds like nothing had happened. So that's sort of an enduring 
an enduring image of Faf. The other thing is, there's a very funny uh, video uh, put out by, um, there's a podcast in Australia called TGC, The Grey Cricketer, where they talk about champing. Because when you champ someone in Australian cricket, like if you call someone champ, it basically means it's a put down. It means that you're better than they are. And so Mitchell Marsh tells a story when he was playing with CSK where Faf Duplessis called him champ. And uh, Mitchell Marsh says, you know, Faf, come on, don't call me champ. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an insult in Australia. And of course, now Faf calls him champ all the time. So he said every now and again, he'll just text him and say, hey, champ, how are you doing? So your Faf is a funny guy, uh, alpha male, good play, and a great white ball player. I mean, he'll still be playing white ball. He probably will play in the World Cup for South Africa, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, great player and a great guy. He, he leaves a, I, by the way, I just saw an interesting, a nice quote from Kiki Surabada just saying that he'll miss him for his slip fielding, which is a bit, a bit of a put down on the batting prowess. But, <laughs> right. Um, That's quite yeah, funny. Missed, that's a great, we're missing that's it first slip. We missed him at first slip. <laughs> um, that champ video is excellent, by the way. Uh, yeah, particularly Adam Zamper. I thought he came he came across really well. Yeah, if you want to know about ch- what champing means, go on the Great Cricketer and have a look. There's a video where they interview all the Australian players about you know champing culture. Yeah, the, the Sh- Sean Marsh <laughs> is funny too. Uh, yeah, talking about Mitchell Marsh it was, it was very funny. Right, IPL auction was wild, insane, insane. Chris Morris becomes the most expensive player ever, which I struggle a little bit with because he's a, he's a fabulous player, but he hasn't really delivered on the, in the big matches in the IPL. Um, he, I've only got these in, in rupees, guys, so I'm really sorry. If any of you can ever convert crore to dollars, I've never been able to in my entire life. Chris Morris went for 16.25 crore, so he becomes the most expensive player ever. Uh, Kyle Jameson, 15 crore. Uh, shatters the New Zealand record. Well done to him. Glenn Maxwell, 14.25 crop. Teams can't get enough of Glenn Maxwell despite his... Maximum Maxwell. Yeah, despite his continued underperformance. Um, he's Is he going to be Coley's valet? <laughs> I, think he, I think Coley just likes him. Well, the RCB have picked up Jameson and Maxwell. Glenn Maxwell now becomes the second highest earner in IPL history if you take the, the combined total. I think... I think Yuvraj Singh, and I think he had one good ever. season, right? One really amazing season. The rest of one, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. But plus, and it's just he's just a nickname at this point, isn't he? The Big Show. That's that's really. He did have a pretty good BBL, though. I must say. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a really talented player. I just wish he would deliver. Jai Richardson, fourteen crore uh, for the Punjab Kings, and our friend K Gautam, nine point two five crore, forty six times his base price, the highest bid. For an uncapped player, so those are the top five. Darren, can you tell us about a gentleman by the name of Riley Meredith, the most expensive uncapped overseas player I'd never heard? So of. Riley Meredith plays for the, for the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, he's very quick and sharp. I think he's early twenties, twenty three, twenty four. Uh, he he can bowl up front or at the death. Uh, I think he's a good bowler. But what I would say about this whole auction is that it's much more strategic than it used to be. I think what what, what used to happen is I think people would go for names. They'd go, oh, I want to have A.B. de Villiers in my team. I want to have this guy. They didn't really think about the constitution of the team as much as they do now. I think they really think about players and roles. Like they need players and roles in the team. versus well, just some, some teams well, do. I mean, yeah. if you think about what happened last season, right? If you, the fast bowling, for example, right? I think Delhi and Mumbai had a very good combination. And Delhi had Nortia and Rabada up front, right? two really quick bowlers. Mumbai had Bolt and Bumrah. And I think they had two really quality fast bowlers up front. And a lot of other teams don't have that. 
And so I think maybe some people have gone after that with the likes of Richardson and and Riley Meredith to try and have that absolute pace up front, uh, as well as somebody who can bowl to death. And, you know, Jai Richardson had an outstanding BBL. He was the leading wicket taker by miles and miles. Uh, and he actually bowled quite well the other night, I think, against New Zealand. So I don't have an issue with that. And I think what we need to remember is, you know, these guys don't set the prices. I mean, the, the, these guys put a put a base price and these guys bid against each other. I was t- I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how some of the clubs actually in- intentionally bid up players because they know they want them. Yeah. To try that was Steve to try and Smith, reduce the right? purse. I think. Was that Steve Smith? Uh, was that the Steve Smith? Yeah, thing, the thing, I'm just reading someone? that. There's basically there's a video like a, a fake a mock au- auction drill carried out by RCB and put on social media, and then they withdrew completely, allowing them to pursue Glenn Maxim and Maxwell, which is really quite sophisticated. That's right, yeah, they, they pushed up Steve Smith's price to, to too cruel. Yeah, no, I, I don't think anyone blames... I, there's a lot of memes out there, though, about um, Australian bowlers doing really well in the auction. I think they also need to make the, the auction more exciting. I mean, because the IPL is exciting, but the auction's kind of shitty, it looks really like low budget. It's not very exciting. You know, the NBA draft or whatever. They need to they need to have a bit more fanfare around it, right? And, yeah, I kind of like the fact that it's so low budget. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I find I find that kind of somewhat vaguely reassuring. I, I love Jai Richardson. I mean, Jai Richardson apparently was watching the auction uh, from his hotel room in in, Aul- in Auckland with his some of his mates back home in Perth. And he, and he said when they drew his name, he was just like he said it felt like. 20 seconds or, or or a minute when nobody bid and he just thought shit and he was he said he, I felt I felt nauseated and all these things coming over me and then all of a sudden this bidding war started and he, he just said it was just insane and, and it changed his life and his honesty I thought was really interesting because a lot of the guys say yeah I don't watch the auction uh you know whatever I, I woke up in the morning and I found out that I was picked up but you know he was quite honest about how nauseating and amazing and yeah I think all those I feelings think they, that he had during they the auction. all watch the auction of course they do why doesn't anybody pick up Hales? Yeah, so some big names un, un, unsold. Alex Hales, obviously, was probably the most surprising. Jason Roy as well, I thought was... was... Uh, Roy is a bit inconsistent, but Hales has been... Yeah. For the last two seasons of BBL, he's been consistent. Oh, he's brilliant. Uh, yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Evan Lewis, yeah. Aaron just... Finch, um, Hanuma Vihari, Alex Carey, Kusal Pereira, Sheldon Cottrell, Adil Rashid and Ish Sodhi, all unsold. I was quite surprised that Jason Berendorf didn't get picked up either. I mean, the left arm Australian bowler, like he he was he bowls swing up front. Uh, he's a great opening bowler, and even just for his minimum base price, I think Glenn Phillips as well was was not picked up. Uh, meanwhile, Mumbai Indians uh, had a, had a good auction as usual, and they picked up a cricket player by the name of Arjun Tendulkar. Yes, apparently he's purely on merit. No doubt. Purely on merit. Yes, purely, purely on, on merit. Yeah. Good, good player. On merit. Although, let's be clear, there's a lot of people um, who don't think this was picked purely on merit. Um, uh, who's What's his name? Jai Wardenate has had to come out and and, and say that, uh, you know, he's, he's a good left-arm bowler and they wanted him in the team. Sachin Tendulkar, of course, is does have some sort of role at the Mumbai Indians. Um, mm. which, Mentor. Yeah, which, which involves food. Yeah, I mean, um, interesting where, you know, you have the all-rounders, right? So you had Tom Curran, Dan Christian, Moses Enriquez, you know, going for, for pretty good money, right? 
Yeah. And they might not even be the start, in the starting lineup. But I think they, they like to have these all-rounders, right? And utility players that can go and do a job. Fast bowlers. Were, were. Yeah, so it's all-rounders and fast bowlers that really went in this auction. Another player worth keeping an eye on is Shahrukh Khan. I love the name. From, from, from Tamil Nadu. Not the Bollywood star, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, five crore he went for to the Punjab Kings. Uh, you know, much bigger than his base price for 20 lakh. He's 25, so he's not he's not that young. But uh, he did really well in the um, the Saeed Mushtaq Ali Trophy. And yeah, I'm glad to see. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, he's he's interesting to look out for. You know, and Majib Rahman got picked up for the Sunrisers too, which is interesting because he'd be bowling with Rashid Khan mm, and, over and there, which I think is going to be quite mouthwatering. Fizz was picked up as well, wasn't he? For by, the Fizzle, yep. But he he's was. gone. He's not at Mumbai Indians anymore. I think he's moved. He's moved on somewhere else. Um, and let's not forget Moeen Ali going to CSK. Uh, timed his his barrage of sixes uh, in the Chennai Test match to perfection uh, and got himself a nice payday out of that. And he'll be happy. He gets to play under Dhoni. So that will be fun for all concerned. Harbhajan Singh got himself a deal going to uh, KKR. Is he ever going to stop playing? Right. I think that's all we need to say about the IPL auction at this point. Did Tree South get sold? Uh, no, I don't think so. What a surprise. Yeah, no, he didn't. Snubbed by IPL franchises, Tree South. He said he, he, said he got emotional uh, after, after being snubbed, which totally out of character for him. Um, out of character. But he then went and picked up a five-wicket haul. Uh, in his, yeah, in his next match. so You can't keep down class. He put himself in at a pretty high base price, 75 lakh. <laughs> doesn't, 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 uh, he's not short of self-belief. All right, very quickly to finish up, ultra good, ultra bad, and ultra edge, ultra good. Toby, you want to sing the praises of Rishabh Pant, maybe literally? Yeah, I think so. Look, everybody knows keepers like to to chirp, I think the, the the verb is, but whatever you want to call it, a lot of chatter, and they're they're all they have the different styles. And um, Mr. Pant has been even given his own video by the BCCI after his wonderful chirping behind the stumps over the last test. I'm going to try some Hindi. Forgive me, everybody, that if there's some other time, I'm going to destroy it. But he says, "This is my favourite." Mera naam hai Washington, mujhe jana hai DC, which I think means my name is Washington. I want to go to DC, invoking obviously Washington Sunda, uh, which I thought was a lovely little turn of phrase. Well done, Rishabh Pant. Yeah, there were quite a few couplets he came out with, kind of like one of these sort of medieval. <laughs> he's from Delhi, like a medieval Delhi poet. Or something, but without without quite the uh, same level of, <laughs> of, of eloquence and maybe a few more pop culture references. In Australia, he he sang the spider. There's a sort of Spider Man. The Spider Man theme tune was turned into like a Hindi song, and he appropriated that for Washington Sunder and started singing Spider Man behind the stumps. And, and the, the, the thing I like about Rishabh Pant is he doesn't really abuse. The batsman, he just sings songs and laughs and stuff. And I, I, I imagine that's really annoying if, if you're trying to bat. Yeah. I think he tries to make them laugh or just put them off his, more than sort of like insult yeah, them. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't insult. He's, he's just not, not that kind of character. Thankfully, he kept well. Um, so all of this looks okay when you're keeping well. But anyway, well done. So that's ultra good. Ultra bad. Um, Wasim Jaffa. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with, 
with this story out of India, Wasim Jaffa was the coach of Uttarakhand uh, state team uh, in the Ranji Trophy. He left the position and the Uttarakhand uh, Cricket Administration has alleged that he brought in too much communal thinking into the the cricket team. Uh, He was favouring Muslim players. He brought in a, a Muslim priest. He asked the players not to sing Hindu chants. Wasim Jaffa is one of the most respected cricketers. He scored the most first-class runs in Indian cricket history. He's kind of considered a model professional. Um, there's, there's kind of a lot of shock because cricket has so far resisted these kinds of uh, Hindu-Muslim tensions, which you see in other spheres of Indian life. Uh, obviously, Wasim Jaffa has denied all the charges. I don't see how they can be true for, for a cricketer of his calibre. He's been defended by various professionals, including Anil Kumble. It's a little worrying to see this kind of stuff encroaching into Indian cricket. There's a very good article about it by a journalist named Sharda Ugra, uh, where she, she says this could be the thin end of the wedge if we start to see this in cricket. And also people are really wondering why more Indian cricketers haven't come out in Wasim Jaffa's defence, in particular the really big names. Sachin Tendulkar played with Wasim Jaffa for decades in Mumbai. Uh, he said nothing, um, although Tendulkar was very quick to come out uh, when Rihanna criticised the Indian government uh, during the, the farmer protests. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that, but a lot of Indian cricketers all suddenly posted the same tweet, uh, which basically saying that people from abroad shouldn't interfere in India's internal affairs. So I don't know, it just all looks a little bit craven, in my opinion. Um, cricket is a, a kind of being used as a tool of the government um, and not defending one of their own. Um, so that's something to, to keep an eye on. So that is ultra bad, I think we can all agree. Ultra edge, Darren, tell us about the innovations in the BBL. Are they here to stay? Yeah, so interesting. This this season of the BBL, they they introduced three new innovations. So they, they had the power surge, which instead of having the normal power play for the first six overs, they have a four-hour four hour over power play. Then you can take two overs together after the 11th over, which made it quite interesting. So what you found is that there were certain bowlers who bowled well in that surge and certain batsmen who they bring in during the surge for the two-over over surge towards the back end of the innings. So it actually made it quite exciting and interesting on how they would play that. So I think that that was the overwinning, the, over, the winning rule by a long way, I think, that, that really stood out. So the power surge was good. They also brought in the bash boost, which was they gave a bonus point to whichever team was leading after 10 overs. That became very important finals time. So that wasn't too bad. I think the the third one was the X factor where after the first 10 overs, you can actually sub a player in. And I think most teams didn't really work out how, how to do that. What happens sometimes is you might have an opening swing bowler. And if the ball doesn't really swing, then you can sub them out for a for a spinner or for a batsman or something else like that. Some people did that a few times, but the bowler could only bowl one over, right? So if you've bowled two overs, you can't be subbed out. So again, after the 10 overs, both sides get a chance to sub in one player or the other. So it's kind of interesting. I think they might keep it going forward. But the biggest problem with the BBL this season, and I have no idea why, is they had no DRS. So there were some absolute shockers at crucial moments of, of, of finals matches uh, and they had no GRS, there was no recourse to overturn some decisions. So hopefully next season they bring that in. But but again, the power surge, I think, is an interesting concept. 
it brings the crowd more into the game. It brings the viewer more into the game. There's a lot more to talk about on comms around the strategy of who's going to going to be playing in that in that power surge. So I thought that was quite interesting. Do you think any of these rules are here here to stay? I think they'll keep them for next season, most of them in the BBL. But I'm not sure about the broader, you know, broader T20 or in other in other leagues around the world. I'm not sure about that. Maybe maybe the hundred. Yeah, we didn't talk about the hundred auction. I think we can talk about that some, some other some time. other time. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> By the way, do you know there's a player called Muhammad Azaruddin? As well, I saw that. Yeah, is it it's, Shara Khan, Mohammad Azaruddin, Arj- Arjun Tendulkar? So t- I think Mumbai has got Tendulkar and Azaruddin. There you go. So they're really, really turning back the clock. By the way, more news on Shrisant. I've just been doing some research. <laughs> As we speak. Yeah, he he actually real time research. He actually wasn't in the mini auction because the teams he he submitted his name, but he wasn't on the list of shortlisted players that the franchises submitted. So he didn't even make the shortlist. Uh, also, he asked Preeti Zinta, Punjab Kings owner, to um, to to consider signing him. He asked her on Instagram, I think. Um, she didn't respond. Uh, so made a post on Instagram feed. Nice. Well, no, I think I think he just commented on a picture. Like she had a post up, and then he commented on it. Right. And said, um, "You should consider signing me." <laughs> if you don't ask. You don't get. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So I think that's it for Cricket Ultras today. Thank you all for listening. Um, enjoy the cricket. And we'll be back soon.